Hey, small group. Uh, one thing about this episode is we wanted to offer you a trigger warning. There may be some subjects and topics that are talked about in this episode that may be offensive and or sensitive to some audiences. So listener discretion is advised. Hi, and welcome to Food at the Table, the small group podcast with Reverend Gev. And for today, Kaylee. Hello. Y'all, we are so glad to be back mm-hmm. on Food at the Table, the second episode of 2022. I'm really excited. I mean, this is going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Guys, instead of uh, going back into our Bible study, today we really thought about, <laughs> let's take on a hot take. Yeah, we had that question last week um, that talked about the the pew wars, and we kind of wanted to go uh, go with that for a minute. It sparked so much of my idea. Oh, yeah. And then Kaylee shows up, and we decided, to go, hey, she's a teacher. So we are kind of... Uh, gonna do this a little bit differently i mean it'll still be a little bit like normal uh no it won't be no no it won't. so different we're gonna be all like fancy the whole time we're gonna like we are wearing bow ties right now because you guys don't have a camera you guys can't check <laughs> we're not wearing bow ties no bow ties um, Hold on. but no we uh, can't change that we could change that oh there there goes the bow tie there it goes it's just a clip on. It's a bow tie. Hey, it's hey. It's also made of wood. Is there is also wood. no point for us doing this because we don't have cameras and nobody can see what's happening. It makes me feel special. <sighs> okay. Shout out to my dad who made the bow tie. Thanks, Mr. Ivan. Okay. <laughs> so today we are. Uh, Going to be talking about uh, different church wars, quote unquote. Different things that goes on in your church that really can, you know, tear down the church. Yeah, and we are because Kaylee is a teacher. We are uh, kind of theming this around like a history class. History class. For the record, I don't teach history. You teach close enough. Teach music history. That is a form of history. Music is tied within all the wars. Music started wars. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. I did too. Thanks, Crusades. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but guys, one big thing about like our hot takes, our Ask a Pastor, a lot of these ideas come from you guys. Absolutely. And it's really awesome because, you know, me and Kevin, we're, we're just two people. Now we have Kaylee that makes three people. But a lot of these ideas come from you. You guys ask questions. You guys spark, spark ideas in our heads. So if you guys have any ideas, if you guys have a hot take, like one hot mm-hmm. take that we're going to talk about, actually I think a little bit today, was given to us just in passing by. I mean, talking to somebody about the podcast, and they're like, hey, you should try this one. And it was really kind of awesome because the idea just sparked so much more. Mm-hmm. So you guys have an idea? You guys want to talk about us? Hey, if you have another part of the church wars you want to contribute. Oh, yeah. Contact us. Get on our social medias. Get on our website. Get on our, well, not website, but email. Hop online <laughs> and contact us. You know, Kevin, how can they get to us? Yeah, guys. Uh if you are on Facebook or Instagram, look us up at Food at the Table Podcast. If you are on Twitter, at Food at the Table. Uh, Wayne's up on TikTok, at Rev.Wayne. Um, uh, if you guys want to send us an email, food at the table podcast at gmail.com. And guys, don't forget, we do have a Patreon up and going now. Uh, so if you guys want to support us in a uh, financial kind of way, um, 
you can look us up at patreon.com slash food at the table podcast and uh, you can support us however you would like to there. And that's one big thing that remember we kind of talked about this in the last ask a pastor. We're trying our best not to keep ads off our podcast. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be an opportunity to give you guys a resource to talk about stuff in your small groups on your end. So if you feel like you want to support this ministry, support the podcast, we want to not really heavily encourage you, but we want to offer you guys the opportunity to do so. Absolutely. And we also have, I believe, our listeners giving on Anchor.fm as well for yep. our podcast. So if you want to get through Anchor, feel more than welcome, guys. Well, without further ado, now that we're done with our little commercial. And bell rings. Ding, 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 ding. And we are now starting class. <laughs> what in the world was that? <laughs> this is going to be a fun this podcast. Is, this, this is a train wreck. Like, we go straight into this. Um, but the door. first, like, as we're going through our great battles of church history, Ooh. the first battle that we come up started back, dating back to the year. Zero. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, it can. I mean, it can. Back when, to Cain and Abel. No. Back whenever they were no. invented. What? Whenever they were invented. When, yeah, whenever people decided seats were needed in church. Mm-hmm. Yep. The first I mean, honestly. Began. The great battles of the pew. The battles of the pews. Now, we kind of talked about this uh, in the last one. Uh, we called it the church wars at that point. Oh, yeah. And these are um, the church wars. Yes. Uh, but a long time ago, <laughs> church not so far away. Yeah, but this this idea of uh, the pews again, we are talking about um, whenever you've got your spot, and that's your spot. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of thinking about the idea of how you react if somebody else is in that spot. Oh yeah. Oh, one thing, I actually got asked about this the other day after we had done our Ask a Pastor. Um, somebody asked me, does the same battle happen in churches that have chairs? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes. It's almost worse. Oh, yes, because that is my chair. Yeah. But you, these great battles, why why do they happen? That's always the question. Why why do we have battles over pews? Stubbornness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Arrogance, ignorance, Tradition. entitlement. Cause you can, yeah. Cause my daddy paid for that for that spot. Literally, I'm like when we talk about these pew wars. Like if you haven't watched the last Ask a Pastor, that's okay. Uh, the pew wars are these moments when you walk into a church, you sit down, and automatically somebody walks up to you and goes, "Hey, that's my seat." Mm-hmm. Or you know that never really goes so abruptly. It's always so eloquent. It's always a story, and like that's always something I find amazing. Like, these. I don't call them the old people in the church. I'm I'm almost gonna gonna yeah. throw a flag on that one because there have been some times when it's just been abrupt to me like that. Oh, sir, I go to older churches where they're like, I don't want to tell you to get out of my seat, but get out of my seat. Oh yeah, they just straight up told oh, me to move. Back in 1973, my papa helped build this church. They decided back in that time to stall some pews. Mm-hmm. He spent some money on those pews and helped carry them mm-hmm. in. And this is the pew that he placed down 
put his name on it. And you look over and go, Where, where's your name? Well, you gotta lift the cushion. The cushion settled into, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> Get out of my chair. Mm-hmm. It's it's a chair. Move your butt. Leave. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but we always kind of you always see this battle in a church. Always. Mm. You know, this is like the first thing that will drive a guest away. Like Absolutely. I don't care about how the outside of the church work, uh, looks. I don't care about uh, what the greeter looks like or if he was really creepy. Guys, even the creepy greeter can get a pass. But if I'm a guest, I'm going to come to the church. Where am I going to sit? In the back. The back view every time. Because it's the closest one to the exit. In case you need to get make a... Uh, if I need to take a run for it, like, they bring up the snakes and the fl- fire, I'm leaving. So, because for some reason, like, snake handling is, like, automatically the assumption of every other church. I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll discuss that another day. Oh, but. yeah. It's always fun. But we always, like, we have these built-in assumptions, these things that... Our church fears that mm-hmm. we have. So we come to church. We're going to sit in the back pew. And we're going to say, okay, cool. I'm here. Cool. And this is this is especially a scenario if you are going to the church not knowing anybody there. Like if you're just showing up out of the blue, um, just on your own. Maybe you have a family. Uh, but... If you have not necessarily been brought into this church by somebody, uh, this is more likely a scenario that could happen. Oh, yeah. First time me and my dad went to church, after my dad retired, uh, me and my sister really didn't grow up in church much. We went to the base chapel every so often, went to VBS quite often. You know, It was honestly a way to get me out of the house as a kid. It just seemed to be more of a... And nothing wrong with this with my parents. It's just, hey, that's a daycare program. My kids can go over there, learn about the Bible, come back afterwards. Cool mm-hmm. beans. Whatever they needed to do. After we, my dad retired, we moved to Tullahoma. Little country church up the street. We're going to walk up. And y'all, the worst churches to do this is always the country churches. Because the people who you're sitting in their chairs see you right away. Because there's no hiding. Well, you walk up, walked in. Walk through the door. Of course, it's a Baptist church, so the back pew is full. So we sit in the second one. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that we got welcomed right away, the fact that people were inviting us to sit with them, that was the part that got us to stay at that church for so long. I mean, that's a big deal. Just knowing, feeling welcome and feeling unwelcome are two extremely motivating forces. Whenever it comes to somebody sticking at a church or never stepping foot in there ever again. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that is something that, again, the battle of the pews uh, just goes to show that if you don't, uh, if you're not intentional with bringing people in and instead are doing that, hey, you're in my spot, move, that's just. That is, I almost see that as spitting in the face of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because literally, it is, you are being so selfish over a dumb place to sit when there are tons anywhere else, probably, and you have the audacity to 
shoo someone off that you don't know anything about them. You don't know what their relationship with Jesus is like, if they have one at all. Mm -hmm. And you say, I don't care what God's going to do in this person's life. This person is in my spot. They got to move somewhere else because I sit there. I've been sitting there for 30 years. Well, good. Let's do guests. It's a good chance to change up the history a little bit. Go do something else for a minute. Mm -hmm. Because that's one thing we see. Hospitality in churches has gone way down. Because of this mentality, hey, that's my spot. Hey, that's where I want to be. Hey, I've been sitting there for years. I've sat in there every Sunday since I was three. Cool beans. Your butt groove might have been just fastened, whatever. Move. How about you slide over a spot or two and then hang out with them, discuss with them. Yeah, Be that friend for them. If there's room on the pew, look at them and go, hey, can I sit with you? Exactly. Just sit with them. Get to introduce yourself. Talk to them. Spend time with them. You know, this war is so great that if you go to some like these uh, southern churches a lot, mm -hmm. in the pew, you'll see one of three things. And it always gets... <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> you see a pillow that's been like embroidered with somebody's name on it. Mm -hmm. Or in a certain fashion, is like, you know, it's your... Uh, I hate to say it this way. It's your family's playing colors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have a blanket... That is grandma's blanket, and she has yep. sat it there for years. Grandma doesn't use it anymore because she's gone home to glory. But it's my blanket, mm -hmm. so I'm taking her seat now. Yep. So, Or you have their Bible. And I always love that one. I always love walking mm -hmm. through the church, looking at it and going, Hey, that's so-and-so's Bible. Because it tells me they don't have it at home to study. Mm -hmm. Now, they might have a church Bible and a home Bible. That's cool. <laughs> Why would but. you... <laughs> Why just leave the Bible in the pew? So I really like the fact, like, here at our church, nobody does that. Like, nobody mm -hmm. just leaves the Bible in the pew because when they start doing that, we grab it and put it over here in the lost and found. It's all in the lost and found. And it's his favorite for months. So <laughs> Here, it's your favorite fan. Yeah, your favorite fan. Where does it sit? And you're just like, well, why? Well, this is my marker. This is how you know I sit here. Too bad. Somebody's going to come there. If I get to church, church starts at 1045. Or it starts at 10, or it starts at 11, whatever time it starts for you. If I show up 30 minutes early to church to come and sit down, got there early, didn't make it to Sunday school, I'm here early, I'm going to sit down a pew. I'm not going to move. Mm -hmm. If I make it to the sanctuary before you do, too bad. That's my spot. First come, first serve. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how the Lord meant it. Now, come on. But like even when we look at chair, chairs in sanctuary, because we're talking about pews, and I get that pews are often seen as those benches. But a lot of these new uh, churches are growing into these chairs, these like cloth chairs which, that have a little basket underneath them. Which that's also a fight in itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can <laughs> we can go on for that for a long time. There was a there was a church that I used to go to that while I was there, they finally decided, hey. The pews are old. They're worn down. We just got to get rid of them and get some chairs. And that was, honestly, that was kind of the point where it was at. It was literally like they were breaking. Like, these things were, like, screwed down into the floor. And, like, the legs had broken in that spot in just the right way to where, like, the screws were pointless. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, one too, one too many fellowships, and you know, yeah, he was gone. Um, so they just 
went ahead and decided to bring in chairs and just literally the the staff just made the decision. They just did it. Oh. And no. that <laughs> did not go well. I don't like the fact but that me and Kaylee like kind of went, oh, no. Thankfully, thankfully, it was just a couple people, and they left real quick because they re- they ended up realizing that, I mean, praise God, at the time, uh, the staff was... Uh, what's the what's the right word to use? United. Um, yeah, they were they were all on the same page, and they realized that it didn't matter where if it was pews or chairs. And honestly, like those chairs were fantastic. Like they were just like those pews. It was literally just like you were sitting on a plank of wood. <laughs> Those are the best one. No, and I mean, this is a, a whole debate that could go on and on, like church or or church chairs or the church pews. Uh, like we we know both sides honestly have a yeah. really good like stance. Like absolutely. When it comes down to like the church chairs, one thing like going back to this idea of the pew war, the one thing I hate about the church chairs is people like to take up more than one seat. Oh, yeah. Now, we're going to take it for granted that I am a big boy. And sometimes those chairs don't fit Wayne. Like, y'all, I had to buy a new office chair. And I had to get the big boy chair that has, like, the wide hips in it. And it's super nice. I am sitting in it right now, and it makes me so happy. But when I sit in, like, the church pew chair, you know, we went to uh, Kaylee's home uh, home church when we went Mm. up to visit her family. And they have the cloth chairs. And I realized something. I take up the whole chair, but I was able to stay in my space. This is my spot. Yeah. But it's when people sit there and go, hey, okay, we're in a big church. The reason why we use chairs is to help you realize this how much space you really need to worship so we can pack more people mm-hmm. in here. We're trying to make it where more people can come mm-hmm. and worship. And I mean, honestly, chairs are easier to keep track of numbers. Like numbers aren't – numbers shouldn't be a huge thing. The reality is – just for the way that you track, like how your church is doing and everything, you need to know the numbers. Oh yeah, it's kind of like you know, church is not a business, but it's no less than a business. Yeah. So you have to know how many people show up on a Sunday. So being able to know, okay, how many churches are in a row, how many chairs are in a row, and count how many full rows you have, or how many seats mm-hmm. you like don't have. Filled, it just makes it easier. To keep makes track. it easy. Yeah, we went to a church one time with the traveling choir was in, and the pastor had just converted the church to chairs, and we he only had like maybe thirty chairs in there, and we we're like, why? He said, well, it's because it makes the church look more full having the chairs spread out versus the empty pews. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an, an illusion, too. It is. But, like, especially when it comes down, like, when we designed the, the auditorium, you know, the pews had a good benefit because of the good resonance, especially mm-hmm. when you're singing. It fills the pew. Mm-hmm. It fills the church a lot more. And we can go into this. But when it comes to that war, we have to realize that the reason the numbers matter so much, not because of, hey, you really want to know how much how good the church is doing. The numbers matter because we're trying to reach more people with the gospel. Yeah. And when you take up more than one spot, you're taking a space away from somebody else that we can get in. Mm-hmm. And I get, you know, not every church is full. But honestly, it's because I show up on a Sunday, I'm going to look in that pew, and you tell me, hey, that's my spot, and you're taking up three people's rooms, I'm not going to come sit with you. Yeah, there's that is just 
just as, if not even more so, unwelcoming than just a straight up, hey, you're in my spot. Because not only are you telling somebody else to move in that situation, but you are taking up tons of empty space that you yourself could be sitting in any one of those other spots. And it comes to like selfishness. Exactly. And it kills me. But the Battle of Houston goes so far. Like we could split it up like bench. We could go on and on and on. And stuff. But to kind of move on, we're going to go to like the next one, which is always one of my favorite ones. This, this is a uh, neat little skirmish. Which I think the three of us probably don't agree on any of this. Oh, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the the great clothing conflict. The great clo- I can't even say it. The clothing. great, the clothing, great conflict. clothing conflict. There that, we that, go. that was a, that was a lot of sounds. Yeah, Matt, Kaylee, we need to get better. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but like the great uh, this episode's gonna get us in trouble I tell you what I'm gonna get a phone call later it's gonna be from Kaylee as she has left me outside and locked me out yep. like haha we're for making fun of me on the podcast but she doesn't know I do it every week she doesn't listen to the podcast all the time so uh, <laughs> sorry oh okay I'm funny alright but the great clothing conflict you know hey are jeans okay for church what should we wear in church does it matter does it matter Kevin we kind of talked about this. We did a little bit, but this battle is constant, though, because absolutely, Kaylee was right. Neither of the three agree of us agree on this, mm. and then you put a hundred and some odd people in a room and say, "Hey, what do you think?" I mean, really, the three of us, which we all, us three, believe very similarly with a lot of things. Yeah, you're with a lot of things. Not this, trust me. <laughs> yeah, not this. <laughs> but that's that's. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my point though. We we agree. We uh, we have very close belief systems. But this is one thing that we do have differing opinions on. And that's just the three of us. And again, we believe similarly on a lot of different things. So take that to a church filled with like 100 people it's and realize worse. how crazy that this could get. Well, here, let's go ahead and give kind of an example of like the differences. Kaylee, what do you think about the clothing world? What should you wear to church? Um, well, I was always taught that you should wear whatever your best is. You know, you wear your Sunday best. Is that a nice skirt and a nice blouse? Great. Is that a suit and tie? Great. Is that jeans and a button down? Great. Um, where my dad to this day, still wears a suit and tie every single Sunday. And my mom most likely will be in a skirt. And I grew up skirt, pants. Like, you wore your best outfit to church. I was not allowed to wear jeans unless it was a Wednesday night or maybe a Sunday night. Fair. Let's go ahead and go to the contrast because, Kevin, go ahead. What you got? (laughs) See, I'm on, like, the totally opposite end of the spectrum of that. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, as long as you got clothes, cool, we're good. <laughs> Welcome to church. As long as you're covered, get inside. <laughs> you got a blanket, got all home in here. <laughs> oh. See, and the funny part is, I sit in the middle. Yeah. Because, like, I'm, I have that give God your best type thing. But if your best is holy jeans and a rough t shirt, 
come on inside, that's okay. But if you're coming in here like covered in dirt and you just you didn't have a thought of it, to me it's kind of offensive. Yeah, because not to I the mean, people yeah. of the church, but because you come in here and you're de- donating your time to worship God. You're kind of dedicating this time to worship God. So to me, it's this idea of preparing yourself for worship. Not only do we do it physically, we do it spiritually. So I think clothing is that kind of concept. Hey, I'm preparing for worship. Yeah, my mom always had the saying of, "You want to look your best because you wouldn't meet. You want to look your best for God because you wouldn't meet the Queen of England in your grubby clothes." See, that's true. But God's seen you naked, so I don't think it matters. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> God created you from the ground up, and that's always like the mentality. But this becomes such a huge conflict because um, oh, yeah. I was the interim pastor for a year. And, I mean, all three of us know this, but you guys on there might not know. It's okay. But while I was the interim pastor, that was a change for me. Because, like, yeah. every Sunday I'll wear slacks and a button-up shirt. I might have my suit jacket on. might have a sport jacket on. And the reason why is because it really depends on what I'm doing that day. If I'm on stage, I definitely have a jacket. If I'm not on stage, I'm downstairs somewhere working with kids. I'll have a button-up, maybe a sweater on. Kind of that like stereotypical youth pastor look yeah. is really what I kind of got. It. I even have like the zip-up vest and stuff like that that I like to wear. Got into that because I really like that style. Mm-hmm. Started preaching the interim, jacket on every Sunday. And it got to the point. I'm going to pick on grandma for a second, Kaylee. <laughs> because it got to the point where I went to go visit Kaylee's parents, grandparents for a holiday. And grandma pulls me aside and says, now you know why you're preaching. You look so much better with a tie. Don't you just love that subtle little dig in there? I love it so much. <laughs> like, it went so far, and like, I was so blessed because Grandma uh, would send money, hey, go get Wayne a suit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's preaching full-time. He needs more suits, stuff like that, which was a blessing because I, I grew up and never had a suit growing up. Yeah. It took me until college to get one from Goodwill, and even after that, I never really had a good suit, mm-hmm. honestly, until my wedding. And to be able to have somebody who's like, hey, I want to buy you a suit, that's awesome. Absolutely. But I grew up in that country church where the pastor wore slacks and a button-up shirt, had a suit jacket on the tie, but he took off his jacket halfway through the sermon. The deacon who was sitting next to me was wearing jeans and a button-up. Uh, the youth director was in a T-shirt and jeans up in the front. You know, He had his grubby boots on because he just came from work, and this is as soon as he could get here. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So really, why does it matter? So we kind of, you know, this is really where it comes. A lot of these wars is we start these wars to have problems. Absolutely. That's what it boils down to. Because, like, again, you guys just heard each of what we think. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it is okay that we think differently about this idea. What the real issue is, is if you go in on somebody who, let's be real, they might be dressed in what they have. Yeah. And you start going in on them on, oh, that's not up to the dress code. And yes, I say that intentionally because there are churches out there that have a legitimate dress code. It's never said. It's always unspoken. Well, some some do. I, I have yeah. witnessed a church that has kicked somebody out for not wearing like a button-down shirt and some slacks. Just straight up kicked them out, even though it was, they were wearing what they had. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even then, it wasn't bad. They were wearing like jeans and like a polo. 
Which works. And we're covered. Yeah. And that is that is where it boils down to. That's that's the problem. When that becomes your idol. Yes. Yes. Let's look at those ticket words here. Yeah. Well, like let's go ahead and make it even more of a word here. Let's actually define it how you know God says in the Ten Commandments. When you have other gods in your life. Because mm-hmm. that's one thing. Like we use the word idol so much, and I can go out on tangent about this to make it make us feel better. But God never calls it idols; He calls it other gods. And and I'm going to throw this in here. Yes, you can have idols in the church. Mm-hmm. We like gonna to get to that in a minute. <laughs> but just throwing that in there but real like, quick. This clothing issue becomes such a big idol and other god in our life mm-hmm. because you know the one thing I've noticed in all of our answers. Is give God your best, become as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have this, you know, we understand. Come as you are. Give God your best, become as you are. And that's really where it should boil down to. God didn't go to the people who looked the best. In fact, he rebuked the Pharisees constantly. Mm-hmm. These people who are dressed to the nines, ones who are wearing the uh, whole chest piece, the one who are wearing these great uh, mantles and capes and robes, look beautiful. He went to the leper who was wearing trashy stuff sitting by the pool of Bethesda and said, hey, do you want to walk? I mean, that he went to the leper who was following him looking for healing and said, here, you're healed. He went to these people who looked like trash who said, hey, like, and guys, like there is no nice way to say that. These people were so beaten up, dirty, and downtrodden that they were seen as garbage. Mm-hmm. And he went to them first. So guess what? If you don't have it now, if I'm a little bit more strict when you have the person who's up on behind the pulpit, I think you should look a little bit nicer than jeans and a t-shirt. Not everybody agrees on, like I, Kevin, I know we don't agree with that. Do I need to wear a tie every Sunday? No. If I want to wear a tie, wear a tie. If I don't want to wear a tie, don't wear a tie. If I don't want to wear a jacket, don't wear a jacket. But, uh, Kaylee, your dad actually kind of said this. Ooh. When you walk into a church, I should be able to identify who the pastor is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's my dress. Mm-hmm. Stand out above the crowd. And the reason why is not for you to see see me and say, hey, look how good he is, but so you can see me and come with questions. Got it. Stop making problems that are not real. Exactly. I mean, you know, we're talking about this whole idea of church wars. Just in a, as a whole, if people didn't just want to cause problems for the simple fact of them wanting to cause problems, none of this would be an issue. Oh, yeah. If people just, for a split second, stepped back, said, hey, this is what's happening. How do I need to react to this? God, what should I do in this moment? And just take that split second to think and not be dumb. Then none of this would be an issue. Oh yeah, well, it's like that. Con- like it's all about me when it comes to church. Why am I offended by this? What do mm-hmm. I want? What do I think? Th- what do I think the Lord needs? You know, very plain and simply, if you're trying to figure out what, what God wants, read the Word of God. Don't come up with your own opinions, because guess what? Your opinion is going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells you, plain and simple, what He wants from you. 
Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. He tells you very simply the Beatitudes. So guess what? These are not really, hey, what you should be. These are what you're going to be if you're following Christ. Mm-hmm. These are the cost of discipleship, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer called them. And it's really important to get this idea. It's not about us. That's right. And it's not about what we want. And this kind of leads us off into the next thing, you know, the big the church gate. <laughs> yes, that is a play on water. We are we are calling it the church gate. But this is like the uh, the political part of church, and we're going to kind of split this off into two sections. We we do mean uh, like national, governmental, local politics. Well, yeah. But we are also meaning uh, uh, whenever we're talking about the concept of quote unquote church gate, we are also meaning kind of the church political game. Yeah. Which if you're not. Uh, Super into church, you might not realize is uh, a big thing, but every church has their local church politicians. Everything oh, yeah. has politics, and it kills you. So let's go ahead and uh, you know what? Before we talk about church politics, let, let's hit the national stuff first. Let's talk about like national politics, local politics in the church, because like the first thing that always comes to mind is um, the preacher talking about his candidate for choice behind mm-hmm. the pulpit. Let's mm. be real for a second. Just a split second. The only politics that I ever hear Jesus talking about has to do with the Pharisees. <laughs> and he's always ripping them up. So, why why would we bring our human ideas to a place where we are saying, oh, this is what God says? Because we always think, and for some reason, we always think Jesus would have been a Republican. Oh, yeah, Jesus, Republican, yes, of course. You know, why he, not? he would have sided with conservatism conservative idea wrong like wholeheartedly because like we read in john chapter 8 we're talking about like him arguing with the pharisees every time he comes against the pharisees guess what the pharisees would have been the equivalent of their conservative party Mm -hmm. they're the classic they're the ones who go back to the old law Mm -hmm. and you know i know politics have changed over times republicans versus democrats democrats used to be about the working man Mm -hmm. like the republicans about the working man no matter what politics you really go for, the plain and simple choice is here is God's going to ordain the leader. Mm-hmm. He's already planned who's going to win that election. Mm-hmm. And when God puts somebody in charge, God says, pray for your leader. Mm-hmm. But pastors, let's be real here. Yes, there are things in scripture that we need to be for, like the sanctity of life. Absolutely. Um, you know, Bible being allowed in schools, things like that. Religious freedom is one of the huge things that we're always about. God, God first in our lives, God, country, family, mm-hmm. all these wonderful things that we hold dear and close to our hearts. If you are a 501c3 organization, which is a nonprofit organization tax code, it is illegal. I'm going to say this once again because I don't think a lot of pastors mm-hmm. get this. It is illegal to back a political party behind the pulpit. Right. I fuss at my kids all the time because uh, we had just had the Trump and Biden election a couple of years ago. And my kids were, you know, hardcore Southern kids. So 
Trump train all the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I am a conservative. I will tell you guys that very simply. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not independent. I'm conservative-minded. And I will vote somebody who I think is closer to the Word of God and what I believe God wants us to have. Mm-hmm. That's how we should go by our morality. Mm-hmm. Find the pol- political person who is closer to your morals. And I'm not telling you guys how to vote. But I'm trying to tell you how to make good decisions. Go we on. are we are not taking uh, any kind of political stance here. Because no, honestly, you know, I haven't found presidential candidates who got behind the thing, and I I did not say okay, which was the lesser of two evils? Because guess what? I thought they were both evil. All right, but when it came to the, they're very much like Trump train, Trump train, saying all these things, and mm. saying the like the slander against Joe Biden and stuff like which, that. Which I mean, part of me questions how much they even thought about for themselves you know but one thing i always told them very clearly is i will never tell you my political choice from this pulpit or from my podium Mm. the reason why is because one it's illegal two it's not my job Mm -hmm. my job is to preach you the word of god teach you morality according to the word of god whenever whenever it comes to your political ideas every single uh debatable topic in politics which is just about all of them oh yeah mm-hmm. should come from your foundation in Jesus mm-hmm. that should be overflowing uh, in your heart and in your mind to where the only thing that matters in your polit- in your political ideas is Jesus and what he wants. Oh. We get so caught up in this idea that we have made God in our own image when we're supposed to be made in the image of God. And so we always try to make God match us. God's mm-hmm. going to be a Republican because I think so. He has bl- blonde hair and blue eyes or brown hair and blue eyes and a full beard because I think that's what Jesus would be. Jesus has to be white because that's what I think he should be. Guess what? That kind of mentality has caused wars, not just within churches, but worldwide. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And this damage that really has caused, like, we talk about the church crusades all the time. And people always say, like, you know, Christians are so brutal because of the crusades. I get that. Yeah, that was not a good time in the Catholic church. Bad ideas. But, guys, the reality of all these things was people took their faith and made it political. And we're not supposed to. Mm. I mean, we can go on to the next part, like this idea of national fight. And let's talk about the American flag in the auditorium, in the sanctuary. Woo! Guys, I want to make it clear. I am a military brat. Mm. I love my country. Absolutely. My dad served his country. My grandfather served his country. My great-grandfather on both sides served their country during World War II. I love my country. Mm. But here's the deal. When the American flag sits in the, on, up on the podium, up on the stage, above the Christian flag, above the Bible, put into a place of honor in the church, I have a problem. And, again, in that type of situation, we talked about it just a few minutes ago, that is no longer just a a symbol of appreciation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we live in America. We are blessed, blessed with freedoms uh, of all kinds. We could be doing far, far worse. Oh, yeah. And... Whenever, whenever a flag that is representing our country is in a church, I am always hesitant about what's going to be said. Mm-hmm. 
because there are so many churches that have taken this country that God has blessed us with and put it ahead of God. I I heard this saying, and I'm going to try and get it right. Um, we... God blessed us with our country, but we, how did it go? I've, I totally lost how it went, but basically it was, it was that idea that we, we have taken what God has given us and put it ahead of him. So that would basically be like, uh, you as a little kid getting some toy or whatever and then or like a board game or something and totally ignoring your parents and just playing the multiple people board game on your own like think about how much sense that makes but it happens all the time constantly and like I'm always very proud of when people like in churches recognize like our veterans, especially Veterans Day, Memorial Day, all these different things. Because you know we we have a section in our prayer guides on Wednesday nights that hey these are the members of our church that are out serving their country and we're here actively praying for them and we're not going against our veterans we're not even coming against our country here but we make our country such an idol within the church because we're like you're saying is putting. That flag we're putting in our country before God when God blessed America. It just hit me what it is. Go for it. Uh, the United States is supposedly one nation under God, but so many times we make it one nation above God. Nailed it. That's what it was. It is so true. You know, that's always like the thing of grasp God blessed America. We think America is God's chosen nation. There's only one time that God's called a nation, his chosen people, and it was Israel. And then after Israel, he opened it up to all the Gentiles, opened it to the world. Mm-hmm. We are all, all of us who are, and there's always this argument, all of us who are under Christ are God's, are God's kids, we're God's children. Mm-hmm. You're children of faith or you're children of wrath. There's only two places you could be. And so it never says, hey, America's going to be there. Because if you read the book of Revelation, I always mm-hmm. love somebody when they point this out to me. It never says the church of America, this is where you're at. Now, this is a prophecy of the future to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doesn't say in America. It doesn't say any nation. So either we have been brought up into a different image or we're gone, plain and simple. So we have to realize that America is not God's chosen nation. God has just blessed America. And one thing certain about it is we can't call ourselves persecuted mm-hmm. when I'm not being hunted for my faith. Absolutely. That is, that is one thing that drives me insane. So many preachers... Uh, and it just so happens that a lot of these preachers are in churches that are waving the American flag left and right and singing uh, like the na- national anthem above all of their worship songs oh, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so many of these preachers say, oh, we've got to stand firm in the faith because... We are being prosecuted by the church down the street. 
He persecuted. It's fine. It's the same word. Whatever. Same difference. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was just, I was trying to get my point across. In the moment. Kaylee's a teacher. Um, but no, you're right. That is, that's the, the genuine ideas that these, some of these people have. Yeah, like they're being so offended because some, like another church is stepping up and preaching people the gospel, or you know, people are out here. The LGBTQ is after us. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I have yet to been hit by something because I was a Christian. You know, a lot of, I got to say this, and I know it's going to get me a lot of hate, but I'm saying it anyways. So many church people are out there complaining about all these snowflake liberals. When let's be real, half the time they're more snowflaking out over the tiniest little things. We're canceled now. It's okay. (laughs) I don't care. But it's true. We get so offended by the smallest things. You know, that's I got asked the other day, uh, what would you do like, you know, if gays came into your church? And that's how it was phrased to me. I'm going to say it that way. That was the phrase. What would you do if the gays came inside? Cool. Which that's problematic. Oh, it's, the way it's that was phrased and everything. Oh, yeah. But like with the LGBTQ coming into a church, would that be a problem? Well, only thing is, is we have a statement of faith. We're going to teach that statement of faith. We have a doctrinal belief. This is what we believe. And it's the word of God. We're going to preach the word of God. Mm. So it might offend some people. Guess what? It's going to offend people who are part of the straight uh, community, part of people part of the LGBTQ community. It's going to offend both sides no matter mm. what. Because the Bible is offensive. Mm-hmm. Because we're all sinners and we have all come short of the glory of God. So what happens if sinners come into the church? I'm going to love on them. I'm mm. going to preach them the gospel. I'm going to teach them about Jesus. Because guess what? What? You're a sinner. I know. How dare you? No. But it's true. We have all sinned to come short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's where we sit. So our political views should not come before the people who need to walk through the story. Absolutely. Our political views do not need to come before the gospel. That's what this that's what this whole thing boils down to. Oh yeah. If your politics or your whatever dumb ideals comes anywhere before God or the gospel that he has given to us to give to other people. And I mean other people like all people. Yeah. No one specific type of people. Yeah. Anybody. Four corners of the earth. Exactly. That's where the real problem is. If you have such a big issue with something that you are not going to even have any sort of conversation. Not, I'm not even going to say a religious conversation. If you won't have a simple conversation to start a relationship with somebody, that maybe that conversation turns into a gospel kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. If you don't even give that a chance, then you are blatantly disregarding the commands that Jesus has given us. Exactly. And we need to move on, but I do want to say this. Stop making you before God on this. Your opinion does not matter. Lord said, I came for whosoever would believe in me. Mm -hmm. I came for everyone so that the world may be saved through me. We are supposed to go and make disciples. Stop making your stupid political beliefs 
your idols and the thing that's keeping you from reaching the other people. Mm. Because when that's, mm, and we can keep going on that, but we don't need to. So I'm going to go ahead and say, like, let's talk about church politics then. Because, <laughs> like, here's the thing: we talk about national politics and the effect they have on the church. But the thing is, church politics has mm-hmm. just as much, if not more, so. Because I would say almost there are a lot of churches out there who the congregation doesn't come close to touching politics. Like that's just that's just one of those things you don't talk about. You know, like at any any good family gathering, you know. Um, Yeah, politics, religion, and uh, what's the third one? Relationships. Yeah, you don't you don't touch those with a ten foot pole. And there are a bunch of churches out there that kind of uphold that. You just don't talk about your politics and everything's hunky dory. Oh yeah. But you can't really get away from church politics whenever you're in church. Oh yeah. Well, are these church politics kind of give them definition here. These are decisions are made in the church. Mm-hmm. Ideas are brought to the church. Church politics are when you kind of campaign for something you want done. And within that like how you make friends who you have in your pocket. And it's kind of a church politics is a way, a pool of power. Mm. There should be one person who has authority in the church. Mm. And that's Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. Pastors are the under shepherds. We are supposed to be casting vision. We're supposed to give guidance. The deacons are those who serve the people. That was how the leadership was built for the church. Mm. But we have gone so far to make it where, oh, you can politicize this. Mm. People can pull things. People, People can... Uh, campaign to make a decision done. Oh, I want uh, such and such repaired, so I'm going to get this person, this person, this person on my side. Then we're going to go talk to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Or then we're going to go to the finance committee and talk about it. Because that way I already have the decision put in my pocket. Then I'm going to go talk. Mm. Y'all, church politics can kill a church in a heartbeat. Because mm-hmm. let's be real, anything that draws a line like that, because Church politics is never really rooted in, hey, this is an idea that I had that I think will uh, really uh, improve our effectiveness at reaching our community or anything that is productive in any way. It is most of the time somebody trying to get their own way over some dumb, tiny, little minute detail that in reality doesn't matter at all and they draw sides it is either you are for me or against me if you are against me it is no holds barred i am coming after you you are the enemy exactly which guys if we ever make church people our fellow believers in the church our enemies we got a problem like uh do you mind if i share a quick story on this idea like one of the things I had a friend of mine, he was a youth pastor at a church, trying to grow a youth ministry from nothing. Like they had four people when he started trying to grow this church ministry up to be huge, and he was at this church for probably about two, three years. Really helped grow it. Well, he had a family come in that was really wanting his job. They were gunning for his job. So for church politics, show you this business meetings. They decided, hey, we don't have a lot of people who come to these church business meetings. Uh, we need to edit our bylaws where we can say 15 people or more is a quorum for a church bylaw or for a bylaws meeting. So they pushed it and pushed it, made it through. Which, if you are not familiar with 
the way that a church works, a lot of this is not going to make very much sense well, on the surface. Just take, try and try and hang in there yeah. for a minute. It'll start making sense. As if you guys are, I'll be honest with you. If you don't know how like a church works, this is a basic nonprofit idea. You have to have bylaws, which is your government governing document, how you're going to work, how you're going to make everything happen. Well, within that, like the Robin's Rules of Order, which is common way that people use for business meetings and things like that, you have to have what's called a quorum, which is a common ground. This is the minimum people we have to have to make a vote. So they got that quorum changed to 15 people at a business meeting. Well, they're good. Well, they campaigned, had a business meeting in the midst of the business meeting, which they had 15 people there, only 15 people out of a church of 60, 70 people. Uh, these 15 people were the ones who they had convinced that my friend was terrible at his job. None of these people had kids in his ministry, except for the person who's campaigning against it, and decided to vote there and then to fire him. He was in the other room doing a youth meeting, having youth group. Wasn't allowed at the business meeting. He was going to have youth group. So they're going to fire him without him in the room. So in the midst of doing that, uh, the pastor, actually, his senior pastor walked down, grabbed him, and said, you need to come in here because they're trying to fire you. Out of the blue, no no holds barred, no warning. It's because this one person campaigned for the idea. That following Sunday, my, like, my friend was supposed to leave the church that Wednesday. That was his last day. He had promised the music director that he was going to be there to help lead music the next day, or the next Sunday, because the music director was going to be gone. So he showed up and was confronted by the other 45 members of the church and said, if we would have known, we would have showed up. We would have been there. We would have canceled this vote because we didn't agree with it. That's church politics, mm. where you can make a small group, make a decision for a big group, and make everybody else mad because they didn't agree with it. And these things happen with money, happen with uh, employees, happen with mission ideas, whatever. It could be because anything and everything. And this is what kills churches. What would you say? Pews. Pews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's church politics, and it causes such a struggle. But kind of in like, ah, hate to do this. We've got to push the next part here as we go into the great arms race. <laughs> the so, great arms race. So the idea behind the great arms race. This is Kaylee's idea. It's okay. Uh, yeah, it was Kaylee's idea. It was not my uh, idea. It was totally Kaylee's idea. It's yeah. bad. Not, blame her. Nope. Hey, church um, politics. All in favor? Uh, okay, I, two of us said I. Oh, oh yeah, thanks. Uh, no. Um, you don't get a vote. You're not part of the podcast. Oh, you're not even part. Your name's not on the podcast. Okay, I click record sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you but, do it four times and now you got to <laughs> But the idea of, quote unquote, the great arms race uh, is just literally just like uh, the translation of the Bible that you use and like a Bible on like your iPad or Kindle or whatever versus like a print version, actually like bringing it with you to the service. Yeah. Electronics or hard copy. Yeah. And like what version, like we've talked about like the translations of scripture so many times. Mm. And like we, if you are not, if you're on this podcast and you don't know, like Kevin hates the King James Bible like with a passion, then you need to start listening to more of our podcasts and that's how exactly I'm going to phrase that. He doesn't hate the translation. He hates the culture behind it. But he hates yes. the King Jesus version. I tell you what. King <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but uh, really, when you come down to this battle, what would you say? 
What is this episode? I don't even know. Like, like this translation war that we always have. Like, it doesn't matter what church you go to, there's always going to be a battle. What translation you're supposed to have in the pew. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew up KJV only. Mm. Like, the King Jesus version. It was not the King James, it was the King Jesus version. Wholeheartedly. It's Hallow's view. This is the legitimate word of God. Jesus wrote it down. <laughs> Got to be. You don't know nothing about that Greek or Hebrew. Uh, I don't know about that Greek or Hebrew, but the King Jesus version is all that matters. And, mm. like, uh, we always make fun of I grew up that way. I see where I grew up. Like, we at one point were King James, and then at another point we were at New King James. And then we somehow ended up in ESV, and I don't even know where my parents' church is now. <laughs> just whatever they it's need to bring. It's just whatever you want. And, like, does the translation really matter? No. To a degree, kind of. Like, it really, like, I have my thing against different translations. I mean, same, but. But I that's mean, only really very specific translations. Like, I, I prefer things that have good meat to it. Like, the message version is good if I'm going to do just a quick study. Mm -hmm. Or the, uh, I'm trying to remember the other translation, the one that's kind of an easy read. Those are good when you're trying to read, like, novel, you're trying to read cover to cover. Mm -hmm. Cool beans. If you can't read the heavy words and understand it, good. But if you're preaching or if you're not five, I recommend getting something like the ESV. Then I like the King James and the New King James. You know, I have things against the NIV translations, but mm -hmm. because I've done the study on it. But you know, having these arguments, they shouldn't matter. Yeah. Pastor's going to use a translation. If you want to read the same words the pastor's saying, Read that. Get yeah. If you, there are some times I have to admit I struggle with keeping up with somebody reading a different translation. Mm -hmm. It's just how my brains works. Reading one thing and hearing another messes with my head. Oh yeah. So there are some times when, like, if I don't have a print version or whatever of whatever somebody's reading in, I'll pull my phone up, figure out what version it's in, and I'll read that just because. That is the only way I'm going to understand what is being said. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, that's me. And everybody has their own kind of preferences or whatever when it comes to that. If you can read one thing and understand it while somebody else is reading from some other version, cool. Go for it. Do that. Do whatever is going to be beneficial for you. And that kind of goes into like the electronics versus hard copy. Mm -hmm. It also comes down to whatever is good for you. Because mm -hmm. uh, one thing I, I am for certain, like when I'm working uh, the life of live stream, I don't have a lot of room on my desk with all the electronics to have a full-size Bible sitting in front of me. So I have my electronic copy. I had a professor in college, and it drove me insane. He would not let us bring our laptops to class. We had to write everything pen and paper. And his whole reasoning behind it, I get it. But the thing is, he was um, hindering a generation who grew up learning how to type over how to write very clearly. Mm. How to write good notes. We learned how to type good notes quickly. So we're very good at doing that kind of stuff. But he hindered us as a generation because of his views on it. Simply for the fact, if you have a phone, you have the word of God possibly in your pocket at all times. Absolutely. So if that's what you're going to use, use it. I like it when people bring a hard copy because that there's not going to be a distraction. Like for our youth group, I went so far as to buy them all the same translation that I teach out of 
so that they have a hard copy because their phones have become a distraction in their life. They're texting, playing video games, stuff like that while I'm doing the lesson. So I got them a Bible, said, here, use these. Did it solve the problems completely? Mm -mm. No. Did it solve a lot of it? Did it keep some of them distracted? Uh, undistracted? Yeah. It helped them. Do what's good for you. If you're getting mm. distracted by playing games on your phone, get off the phone. Use a hard copy. But churches, we need to stop making that a problem. Again, this goes, we're probably going to say it like 50,000 times. This goes back to if you put this before God, before us spreading out the gospel, you got to fix something. The problem is not the people in the pew. It's the problem is the people with you. Mm -hmm. And that's something we really have to kind of bring to the perspective. It's you. You're the issue. I'm the issue. Because we're making it about us. And I think that is one thing that people have really got to understand. That idols aren't just other things. Honestly, you can make yourself an idol. Oh, yeah. If you are putting yourself, your own ideas, anything about you before God, you have become your own idol. I, we're, we're doing a series through idols with the kids right now for our youth group. Mm. And that's something like I was trying to define an idol. What's the best way to say it? And it's anything that I put in the midst of my worship between me and God. It's the first thing I see when I worship. It's the first thing I put up. It's more important to me than God. Because it's between him and me. Mm -hmm. If that's where you really come down to, fix it. Because like we think of what what do I want? What's important to me? And it kind of links into this like next idea, like this gossip espionage that we do. <laughs> and it's so true. Like we have this espionage ring within a church through gossip and things like that, and it kills your church. That is almost as if not more deadly than it anything else that we have talked about a lot of people call gossip like this is the one thing ah your tongue is more deadly than church this is one of the few things that uh king solomon within the book of proverbs called an abomination before mm -hmm. the eyes of god and the reason why is because it destroys people like a lot of sins a lot mm -hmm. of sins hurt you that's why we have like the sins of the flesh the sins of the spirit all these different things a lot of sins are you-focused. They hurt you in your relationship with God. Gossip is the one sin that destroys others in the midst of it. And I want to take a second. If you are, if you are involved in any sort of gossiping or anything right now, I want you to, to really sit on what Wayne said. Gossiping is an abomination. Sit with that. The thing that you are doing, God thinks of as an abomination. Within Scripture, very few things are considered abominations. And they're seen as sins more deadly than others. And this is the one sin that King Solomon plain and simply wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom as an abomination before the eyes of God. 
Because all you do, all you're doing is looking at people and saying, hey, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you what such and such did. Let me tell you what I saw the other day. Did you really see it? No. Is that what really happened? No. But I'm going to tell people about it. Now that person thinks of the other person in a different way. Different view, different light. Now they're more antagonistic against that person. Because that's what she said. And it destroys everything about it. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this very plain and simply. Gossip is what led me to try to tie a rope around my neck. It's what led me to the point where, hey, death was the best option. Because it tears people's lives apart. What you think is just a simple lie destroys somebody else. Mm-hmm. It kills ministries. It, guys, it... I always look at this, and you know, within the Southern Baptist Church lately, we've had a lot of accusations come out, a lot of things that were true come out to the point where the Tennessee Baptists and the Southern Baptist Convention have made these uh, sex, uh, sex assaults, sexual assault uh, task forces, things like sexual abuse task forces, that's the word, abuse task forces to help give us better equipment and stuff like that to deal with sexual abuse within the church to be able to help people. It has become such a big thing. But I'm going to tell you this, and this might be my hot take and people might not agree with me on this. There's been ministries destroyed on a joke of a lie. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you think sexual abuse is a joke, check yourself. Absolutely. If you're going to make a joke like, ha, 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 such and such touched me, pastor such and such did this to this person, you better be telling the truth. Because what you just did is not only did you say a lie to somebody, but you just destroyed somebody's career. Yes. You destroyed their family. You destroyed their family. You destroyed their ministry. And you destroyed their relationship with God in a matter of seconds. Because what's going to happen? Well, they're going to get uh, pulled aside by the deacons. They're going to be separated from their job. Their family is going to be notified, and now they have a fight at home. Husband and wife are going to have to have this argument. Does wife trust husband? Does wife believe the pastor didn't do this? Not only that, he can't go back to work. Mm-hmm. Church isn't going to pay him. Not only that, he's going to look at God and go, God, I've been so faithful. Why did this have to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Gossip kills people. And we do it every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Did you see such and such and show up today? Did you see that? Man, such and such is not listening to our podcast lately. Have you heard that? Mm. Mm. Did you know that such and such was here at the church until like 9 p.m. in his office? Oh. <gasps> what, what was he doing? Uh, recording a podcast is what we were doing. What does it matter? What's the point? Did it hurt anybody? Or were we damaged anything? That is, again, a lot of this comes from if you would just mind your business, it's it's not an issue. Yeah. Like, what does someone else trying to live the life that God's planned out for them have anything to do with whatever you think? Because let's be real, God's plans, 
way larger than we could ever comprehend. Mm -hmm. And you don't know, like, if one... Back to the idea of, oh, so-and-so wasn't in Sunday school or whatever. That... I am, like, actually getting upset right now. Like, I am getting mad. But that kind of behavior doesn't do anything for anybody. One, you're just wasting your own energy because you're so concerned about somebody else. Two, you don't know what the heck is really going on. They could be in the hospital or something. Like, come on! They could be dealing with something at home right now. Exactly. Uh, man, did you see such and such and so up to Sunday school? Only to find out that, and the true story, true story. Heard this. Really, such and such and so up to Sunday school. Did you see that today? Oh, yeah. I also heard that his wife died this morning and he's dealing with the funeral home. That's where he's at today. Oh, I didn't know. No, but you ran your mouth first. You didn't come ask, hey, have you seen such and such? Is he doing okay? He doesn't normally miss Sunday school. No. Oh, did you see such and such? Did he come to Sunday school today? And there is. It's all about how you say it. Exactly. Yeah. Are you coming with judgment? Or are you coming with concern? And that's that's all that gossip is. Mm-hmm. It's just completely just condemning and judging anything and everybody about a person. Anything and everything about anyone. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like I need to say this little caveat here. Because I know my, my beginning uh, example of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to say this. If you are being sexually abused in the church, or if you know somebody is being sexually abused in the church, I don't care if it's the pastor, the deacon, the person in the pew next to you, say something. Please, please do not take us as saying if something like that is actually happening, do not hear that we are saying not tell anything. We Please, tell somebody because... Even if you only think it might be happening, get help. Like, not... Let me say this right. If you're a suspect that it's happening, go get help. Mm-hmm. Because suspicion, uh, suspe- suspiciousness, I can see that's worry. Go get help. Go, Absolutely. But don't be spreading it around the church. Go actively get help for them. Mm-hmm. Because that's important. And one thing is for certain, yeah, Southern Baptist Convention right now, the churches worldwide are dealing with this and it's become such a huge concern. And if you've been sexually assaulted or sexually abused in the church or in your life, no, we, we're praying for you. That's Absolutely. a deep concern. Reach out. We would love to be able to give you resources, help you as much as we can. Because I cannot fathom what it's like to be hurt by somebody else in such a way. I've honestly, I've, I've known a, a bunch of good friends of mine way more than I ever thought that I would ever actually know that were in some sort of. Uh, sexual uh, abuse position. Something, some event happened to them. And I I cannot comprehend the kind of emotional, mental, and physical damage that that does to somebody. So like, again, if, if something like that has happened to you, we are more than willing to find some way to help you guys out. Like, I I don't get it, but I want to try to understand. If we can help you, 
let us give you the resources. Yes, please. We, we know where to go. We, we have these connections. We have books that we more than willing to share with you and say, hey, mm. good place to look. And, you know, within the books and stuff like that. Oh, you give me a book to read about sexual abuse. No, in churches, if you're dealing with this, there are resources out there that will just point it to you. We can help you get help. We'd love to do that. Absolutely. But my, my biggest point when it came to that sexual abuse with the pastors is there is a side to it where pastors are being accused and it's destroying lives. I, I feel like I need to clarify that a little bit. Yeah. Because I've known way too many friends of mine. And I hate to say it. I have known way too many colleagues to take their own lives because of an accusation that they didn't do. And so if it's, if you have rightful suspicion, like if you, if you feel like it's happening or if it has happened, report it, but don't just start gossip because you think it's don't do it to stir the pot. Yeah. So please be careful guys. Cause guys, this is literally, and I hate to say it. Gossip kills people. Mm-hmm. It, it takes people out. And I have no other way how we're going to end this because it's such a hard topic. But to tell you guys this, we love you guys. Please Absolutely. reach out to us. If you guys need help, we have ways to contact with us. Kevin, how do they get in contact with us? Guys, uh, hit us up. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, at Food at the Table Podcast. Um, if you're on Twitter, at Food at the Table. Uh, hit up Wayne on TikTok at Rev.Wayne. Uh, if you want to send us an email, food at the table podcast at gmail.com. Uh, guys, we, we want to be here for you. And again, if you are if you have experienced uh, anything that we've talked about today, um, whenever it comes to any of the, the any of the other different church wars oh, yeah. or whatever. Uh, if you want to share your story, send it to us. We would we would love to um, See what you've got going on. Um, if you are stuck in some sort of situation like that, let us know. We want to try and help you guys out. Uh, we want to we want to love on you like God loves on us. Um, and guys, if if you need help in just any sort of, uh, just like what we talked about earlier, any sort of uh, sexual uh, abuse. Um, situation if you just need somebody to talk to if you've experienced that in any way uh hit us up we will we will do whatever we can uh to try and help you guys out we want to be there for you guys um because that's what a small group is yeah uh we're we're wanting to be just a real big family of believers uh all coming together and uh, sharing each each other's struggles we're a community. And we need to act like it. Mm-hmm. And guys, one big thing too, like if we can't help you, know that we're going to find you a place that can help you. Absolutely. You know, we will look the resources. We will make the phone calls. We will do what needs to be done to help you find help. And we don't, we don't care where you're at. No, we will, we will do you. whatever. And with that, guys, we do want to say we love you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee, for coming on the podcast yeah, today. So, Thank you for having me. But with that, guys, we love you guys. Until next time, at Food at the Table Podcast, small group podcast, with Rev and Kev, and for Ted Hay with Kaylee. Until next time, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Peace.